0: Listening to the Rainmaking podcast Hosted by high stakes headhunter, author and professional speaker Scott Love. You're listening to the Rainmaking podcast and my name is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the show and thank you for making this show the success that it is. I'm really humbled by that. I'm honored by that. And I'm excited about learning, that's why I do this. And I like presenting content that can help you and shorten your commute and hopefully help you close more sales or get more clients, however you phrase that within your own niche. Now, if you're not familiar with our podcast, make sure you go back and listen to some of the previous episodes. It's not really focused on one industry, although I do recruit rainmakers for big law firms. So that's kind of my real focus, is to get this in front of people that, if they're not ready to make a move right now, at least I can give them content that can keep us connected. And I do that by interviewing credentialed experts in the area of business development. So you've got over 145 episodes. That's over 70 hours of content that's going to help you learn how to grow your practice. Now, our topic title for today, It's one that I'm really excited about. It's attracting better clients. And our guest is Davina Frederick. Now, Davina is a coach on business development, and she has a niche where she coaches female attorneys. Now, if you're not an attorney, check it out if you're a guy, still check it out because you're going to learn something. She's got some great wisdom and a great way about her, and I'm excited about the content that she shares, and I know I'm going to have here on the show again in the future. So make sure you listen to this and connect with her. You can go to the show notes wherever you listen to this podcast, and you can connect with her on her website and also follow her on LinkedIn. Now, as always, this show is sponsored by Leopard Solutions, Legal Intelligence Suite of Products, Firmscape, and Leopard BI. Push ahead of the pack with the power of leopard. And now here's my conversation with Davina Frederick. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. Our guest today is Davina Frederick, and our topic title is Attracting Better Clients. Davina, thanks for joining me on the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me here, Scott. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm really excited to learn from you because you've got an interesting background that I want to get into, but I love this topic title, Attracting Better Clients. Who doesn't want more of that, right? Absolutely. Right. And so tell me this. Let's start with the word better. When we talk about better clients, what does that mean for those in uh, professional services that are trying to make rain? How would you characterize that?
1: Well, the reason I chose the word better is because I work with law firm owners who are attempting to scale their law firm businesses. And one of the biggest complaints I hear is if you've ever heard that old adage that everything's great, but for the clients. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I hear a lot of dissatisfaction from lawyers as they're growing a law firm business that they're working with clients. I hear the dissatisfaction and they often don't tie it right to their client selection. Like I get frustrated doing this kind of work. I don't feel like My clients are listening to me. I don't feel like I'm getting paid enough. I get offended or bothered that people don't pay me after I put so much Mm -hmm. into the Mm -hmm. case. Mm -hmm. And so, it is my message to them that that you can choose to work with clients that are better suited to you and your practice. You do not have to work with clients that aggravate you all day, every day. Now, it doesn't mean that we're not going to occasionally have those people that. We missed the red flags and, you know, they became our client. Now we're in it, right? Certainly those situations are going to arise. But by and large, we can choose better clients and there's a way to go about doing that. And so we don't have to be a victim kind of to our own success and I have all these clients, but I can't stand to go to work because I hate working with these people all day long.
0: Yeah, wow, that's interesting. So I think we've got a whole, a whole series of interviews we could talk around this topic. But let me ask you this, then. Are you talking about better clients in terms of the character of the client, in terms of the cash flow, can they pay you or not, or other criteria? What, What is it that we're kind of trying to figure out here?
1: Well, I think that all depends on the law firm and the attorney as to what their criteria is. So mm-hmm. instead of me coming in and saying, here's the criteria for an ideal client, what I do is I guide my clients in discovering for them who their ideal clients are. So that may affect their practice area. For yeah. instance, they yeah. may be in a practice area where they're working with clients and they don't, they don't love it because they don't love the, the situation that the clients are in when they come to them. And so therefore, they don't like working with the client. So they may need to change their practice area or move it a little bit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. tweak it a little bit. It may be certainly pay, getting paid and not getting paid. I find with a lot, I work mostly with women law firm owners and I find with a lot of women law firm owners, they come with a big service heart and they want to do big service in the world. And my, I'm kind of on a mission to help them understand that you can do big service in the world, but also you need paying clients who can afford to pay you. And that's going to allow you to create a greater impact in the world. If you make yeah. create a profitable, sustainable law firm business, you'll be able to create a bigger impact in the world and serve more people. But if you stay stuck trying to serve clients who cannot afford to pay you, do not want to pay you because they just don't want to pay a lawyer or whatever it is, then we need to fix that because... Yes that's not healthy.
0: So when you work with people, are you working with them, kind of look at it as a funnel in terms of new business coming in? Are you looking at them to kind of recreate the funnel to adjust it a little bit? How much work do you have to do with most of the people that you work with?
1: Yeah, I really don't think it's as much work as people think it is because it can be very small tweaks. It can be something like, it kind of starts with the marketing message. So the idea behind Mm -hmm. attracting better clients is really around your marketing message. Okay. who is it that I am calling out to, to come and work with me? And so getting really clear on who that person is, who is that, you'll hear people say ideal client or client avatar, who is that person that I really love to work with? So the what where I tell them to start, if they already have had clients, then think about the last two or three clients that you were so happy when they called you and they said they wanted to work with you. You did your happy dance when you got off the phone. Right. Maybe right, it was real they paid you up front. Maybe yeah. they're really reasonable. We hear that a lot from people. I want to, I'd like to just work with people who are reasonable, who are yeah. not so uh, vengeful or out to get other people, you know. I'm not that, that's not what I want to do to help people, or right. but whatever it is, you identify who that ideal client is, and then you change your marketing message. To speak to that ideal client. I call that cocktail party syndrome. Have you ever been at a cocktail party and somebody has said your name who's standing behind you someplace and you immediately turn around and look because you, you heard your name right. out of the crowd. You may not hear anything, but you hear your name and you turn around, right? That's what we want to create is that cocktail party effect with our marketing messaging that when people hear our messaging, they go, that's me. That's the type of attorney I want to work with to solve my problem. I have that problem. I like their, what they stand for and their values. And also, your messaging is not putting out words like affordable, cheapest, (laughs) whatever, right? right. Putting out words that, that say, if you're looking for advice from someone who's experienced, who's knowledgeable or whatever, right? So you change your message to call out to that person. So if your ideal client is a 70, 80 year old, you know, white man, it's going to be very different from a, 20-year-old or 30-year-old black, young, professional, single woman, as opposed right. to somebody okay. who's had married and had grandchildren or whatever, whatever. So it's shaping your marketing message to attract the people you want to work with.
0: Yeah, that's great. And what's interesting, I actually did this within my own business a few years ago because the people I'm recruiting, they're partners with big law firms, small firms, I'll do mergers into big firms. But one of the things I did... With my message was I looked at what is it that every partner really wants when they want to move somewhere they want to feel safe and mm-hmm. so that's what I kind of changed my whole message on you know getting them to feel safe and which I think is interesting I'm dealing with the smartest people in the world who are guarded hate change and have a fear of uncertainty yet right. I start with an emotional context in my messaging to them which seems to have worked what do you think about that approach to Veda
1: right yeah I absolutely I think that. In my case, I'm dealing a lot with people who feel burned out very early mm-hmm. in their career. Mm-hmm. They already mm-hmm. are experiencing burnout. So, while it is wealthy woman lawyer and my brand is around creating wealth, that is a piece of it, but it's also creating a wealth without working yourself to death in the process. So, it's very much about tapping into that emotion of what not wealth itself, but what wealth provides yeah. for you, which is safety, security, comfort, Feeling of, of time. I talk often about how there's a quote by Margaret Bonanno, who's a science fiction writer, that it's something along the lines of being rich is having money and being wealthy is having time. Yeah. So I really focus around that messaging of what we're wanting to do is create a wealth generating business for you so that you don't have to do all the doing in your business. You now have the resources to acquire the automation. And attract the people who are going to help you build your vision instead of you trying to be the doer of everything in your business.
0: That's great. So, when you've coached people to do this, Davina, what, what do you say are kind of the common pitfalls that they have to watch out for as they're making these changes to really figuring out who their client is, what motivates their client, things like that? What are some of the common pitfalls they have to avoid?
1: Well, I think the biggest one is their money story, their internal money story. So, I think often what caps people's ability to attract better clients is they have been taught as they've grown up certain beliefs around money. So we hear money is the root of all evil. A rich man can't pass through the eye of the needle, and you know all the from the Bible. So there are all sorts of money stories that people have, and they develop these from how they grew up. Mm-hmm. If you grew up, I grew up with parents who were uh, middle class parents but they both had come from poverty. And my dad in particular came from really abject poverty. And so that shaped their mindset. And then they taught me those things, not in in any sort of intentional way, but just by being who they were and how they grew up. And so I had to work through and overcome stories around that. And also beliefs, like one of the biggest beliefs that uh, women law firm owners have, because they're high achieving women, this is the same with any high achiever, right? Is I'm going to work hard. And the hard work is the thing that's going to bring me success and mm. so if I'm working myself to death and I'm burned out and I'm exhausted, I need to keep going because it's hard work and my grandparents were farmers they were two of the hardest working people I've ever met and yet they born and died poor mm. and that was just the circumstance of you know their life because so there are a lot of hardworking people out there who don't get wealthy so what is it and so we really have to focus on working on our mindset and our beliefs and begin to question these beliefs and saying, does that belief continue to serve me in the way that it did at one point in my life? So that's, that's does brief. this serve me any yeah. longer? And that that to me is the really the place where the work is really done, is in changing our mindset and our beliefs. But what's kind of amazing is how quickly that can happen. We may have to revisit it over and over again as we encounter new obstacles, but I can very quickly get people to learn how to change their fees, for
0: instance, Right. right.
1: and by showing them, you know, objective evidence and getting them to question some of the beliefs they have. And that alone is a very quick trigger to helping them. Also, you know, going through the client and really thinking about the kind of client that they want really is something that can change things very
0: quickly it's interesting that you get into a level of depth with your clients, I'm sure.
1: I do. I do. It really is something that I'm kind of on a mission because I know what my struggles were. And I've talked to so many colleagues who are, you know, later in life and they don't have, they've worked as solos their whole life and they don't have the wealth that they should have acquired Mm -hmm. because they've not put themselves first. And they don't think of that as a form of self-care. And that's particularly around women. That I've spoken with, they don't put themselves first and think that financial well-being is important, just like mental and emotional well-being, and we need to set up set ourselves up for that success. So get really changing minds around that is kind of my mission. That's what all of this scaling the law firm is about
0: for me. Yeah, that's great. that's good. It's good that they have you in their corner, I'm sure. So then what are some of the trends and the common trends that you've seen recently? Let's say, I don't want to say post-COVID, but in today's world where people are starting to meet in person, are there any trends that you've seen that your clients have in common as they're looking to attract better clients?
1: There are some trends that I've seen. So first of all, what has been very interesting for me as a, I'm a first year Gen Xer, so I'm right on the cusp of Boomer. It tells you how old I am. (laughs) But And so I grew up with this hard work, hard work sort of ethic. And what I'm finding with this new generation, particularly late millennials and Gen Z, is that they're saying, I don't want to work myself to death for money. And I'm starting to see women lawyers really create law firms that are focused on their well-being first. So it may be a laptop lifestyle. It may be a lot of virtual tools and automation that they're using to communicate with their clients that don't make... So they're not constantly in the stress cycle of reactive response kind of thing. So it's a very exciting time. I do think there are pitfalls that will work themselves out over time perhaps, but we often can create... We often can be so focused on our own needs and well-being that we neglect our obligation to our clients Mm -hmm. and our ethical duties to them because we're saying, well, I don't want to be bothered by this or that during this or that time. And, but we can set our businesses up in a way that not only serve our own well-being, but also serve our ethical duties and obligations and the client's well-being. And so that's what I'm seeing that needs to sort of be worked out. So it's an exciting time for me. I love seeing all of these women law firm owners who are starting their own businesses out of their house. They've got young kids at home. They need the flexibility but there are some some kinks that need to be worked out in that.
0: Yeah, right, right. And tell me about the book that you wrote. What's the title? You were telling me that before we started our interview, and I like the subtitle on that especially.
1: Yeah, so I've written a couple of books, and this is the first in the series, the very first book I wrote. It's called The Wealthy Woman Lawyer's Guide to Law Firm Marketing in the Virtual Age, 10 Bold Actions to Take Now to Attract Your Ideal Clients with Total Ease. Scott, I wrote this book because as a lawyer, My phone was constantly ringing off the hook and I was constantly getting emails from people calling themselves marketers. Mm -hmm. And they were Mm -hmm. marketers, but a marketer can be somebody who does SEO. It could be somebody who does PPC campaigns. It can be somebody who is trying to sell you some other service like blog writing or video editing. All of these people can help you market your business. But so it can be very confusing to lawyers. Should I do this? Should I do this? Should I do this? So I wrote this book as a guide for law firm owners to create their own marketing strategy to attract better clients. Mm -hmm. And because then when they're armed with a strategy and they know, okay, here's my ideal client, here's where they're hanging out, here's the kind of message I want to send to them based on my core values and what differentiates me and what connects with them. Now I can go seek the platforms and I go through the book and I give key considerations for several different platforms. And by platforms, that can be traditional, like speaking in public speaking, or it can be something very modern, like Google advertising, right? Or I don't cover TikTok specifically, but I cover social platforms in this book. So you can look at it, the pros and the cons. Is this for me? And so you pick out one or two, maybe three of those platforms where your ideal clients are hanging out, where you can connect with them. That also feels comfortable to you and your business and, and who you're about. And that is a strategy for you. So when people are coming to you, this serves kind of as a shield too, to say, that's not for me right now. That's not for me right now. Thank you, but that's not for me. That's because great. you've you. thought it yeah. through yourself and you know your strategy. Now you're looking for helpers to help you implement those strategies, right? It's, I'm not suggesting. It, yeah,
0: So I like the way that you've kind of made this more of a proactive rather than reactive marketing perspective. One thing you said where my ears perked up because I just don't hear this phrase very often in legal are core values. And and so tell me about that. How would you define that? What does that mean? And why is that important when we're talking about getting business?
1: Well, I think so for me, I when I started this business, I, I used the brand Indispensable Trust Advisor. And I rebranded to Wealthy Woman Lawyer when I got really niched down. But Indispensable Trust Advisors, when I was working with other professional service yeah. businesses, and I did some core value work around that. And I said, what is an Indispensable Trust Advisor? What values do they have? What is important to them? And those values were also, uh, surprise, surprise, important to me because I was an Indispensable Trust Advisor. And of course, mm-hmm. this is all coming out of my brain. And so I thought through things that were important to me. So number one, I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'm just giving you an example. Number one is integrity. So what does integrity mean? To me, integrity means doing what you say you're going to do, when you say you're going to do it, in the time and manner you said you were going to do it. Mm -hmm. So that's a very specific definition that I put on the word integrity. And so when I'm looking to work with clients, my messaging is going to show up. That core value is going to show up in my messaging. And when I'm talking with people on a sales call, I'm going to look for flags that tell me this person is not somebody who is a person of integrity in the way I define it. And I use the same thing with employees and with vendors. So all people in my life, I'm looking to see as a baseline for me, it's a no-go if you're somebody who doesn't operate with integrity in the world. And that really shows up in how I grow my business. So that's a core value of my business. Proactive communication is one that is maybe not obvious to other people, but to me, it is a core value. And the way we can often tell what our core values are is what is that thing that makes you mad? What pisses you off? Mm, And that will help you figure out what some of your core values are, right? When I say proactive communication, I'm looking for somebody that if there's an issue, so if we have a meeting schedule, if you and I have a meeting scheduled and we needed to reschedule the meeting. The sooner you became aware of a problem with the meeting time and place, you would let me know that. If you wait till after the meeting has passed and I'm showing up for the meeting, I put the makeup on, I've done my hair, and I show up here, and then you're not here, what do you think my reaction is going to be? (laughs) So, proactive. And so I think of that in terms of clients. As soon as I identify that there's a problem in some deliverable, because sometimes things happen, then the sooner I communicate to them, the more they're probably going to be flexible and okay with that because I'm communicating to them and I'm communicating a solution if I wait till after a deadline. So those are some things that, that just gives you an example of a couple of core values that I have in my business and how it impacts my business. As we grow and we start bringing other people into our business, then we begin to work collectively to say, okay, what are our core values as a business? Yeah. And so this does evolve. It's not But when most of my clients are solos, when we start working together, who are growing a business and adding people. So we start with, what are your values? What do you value? And that's going to really help you with that attraction piece of it.
0: This is great, Davina. I really appreciate you sharing that and your transparency also. And I think that is so important because the values are what motivate us at a very core level. And if we don't start there, then it doesn't matter what sort of business that we build. And I think that's all about being congruent with what truly motivates us as people. And that's what I love about doing the work of recruiting is that I'm dealing with people in a very significant way, a very personal way, putting them in a different firm. And that's what I like to find out is what motivates them at the core level. Can that be aligned with the right firm? And I like how you take this from their core values, making sure it does align, and it is coming through not just in the clients that they get, but then in the messaging to attract those clients. So let me ask you this, then, if we were going to look at three action steps to kind of get started implementing some of these ideas that you've shared with us, what would those three action steps be? be?
1: Well, I think the first thing to do would be, so what I advise my clients is obviously to get clear on what their core values are and what differentiates them. Mm -hmm. So what is it that they think is differentiating about them and their service from the people who provide similar services, but also getting clear on who you really are. And doing the core value work is really about getting clear on who you are and what you believe And and because it's going to inform all of your, it's going to help you understand better your relationships and the kind of relationships you want, the other people that you want in your life. Right. And and as I said, that affects team as well. Then number two, I think is to get clear on who your ideal client is. Mm -hmm. So who is my ideal client? And by that, I don't mean demographics are a piece of it, but really we're looking at psychographics as well. We're looking at what is it that who's influencing that person? How do they make buying decisions around professional services? What are their personality characteristics? What do they value? Mm. How much money do they make? Uh, what's their you know, what's their net worth? What, how much do they make a year? What profession are they in? There are all kinds of questions you can ask yourself to really dial in on that client. And, and let me throw a caveat in here because this confuses a lot of people. What I'm talking about is getting an ideal client in mind and this is a client that when they call to hire you, you hang up the phone, you're doing your happy dance because you know that this is a client you're going to be really excited to work with. You're happy to have a relationship with. That doesn't mean that we aren't going to get still work with B level clients. We're still going to have com- people who are attracted to us who aren't a perfect fit right. with where right. we are. And that doesn't mean we can't serve them. And I'll give you an example. I work now with women law firm owners. Last year, December 31st, I got a call. I don't normally answer the phone on December 31st. I happened to be alone at home. And for some reason, I picked up the call and it was a man who was an attorney working in a partnership. And he really wanted help with a specific problem and asked if he could hire me as a private coaching client. And I said yes, because even though he was not an exact fit in my ideal client, I knew that I liked him. We, you know, I felt that there weren't red flags there. I got along with him. I felt that I could help him with his problem. And I had a container or a vehicle in which to do that that did not dilute my group for women. Mm-hmm. So I was able to do that as a private client with him. So that's an example you, that just because you're creating ideal messaging and core messaging, that you can make exceptions, but the ball is in your core about the exceptions that you make. And then uh, you said three,
0: right? That's this right. Last I actually got six or seven, I think. <laughs> but this is okay, great.
1: Okay. Okay. Sorry. So I'm very, uh, no, am, That's great. I'm very verbose. I should have warned you about that. <laughs> and so once you do that, then you really want to figure out where those clients hang out. Where yeah, are they right, hanging right. out? Yeah. And when I say hanging out, that can mean virtually. It could mean in person. It could mean what books do they read? What websites do they go to? What, you know, do they, are they reading newspapers, you know? Where are they hanging out? Because that's where you want to go to get in front of them. Don't try to recreate the wheel by I now have to start a group or this to bring these clients to me. You literally can go where they already gather. That's right. And be in front of them and be visible. So those are three very actionable steps you could take to start attracting better clients.
0: That's great. I think that's a really good starting point. And we're going to put the links to your books on the show notes. And so uh, all of your contact information as well. But tell us about the offerings that you have. What are the things that you want our listeners to know about what you do and how you can help them, Davina?
1: So I work with women law firm owners in two ways. One is I work with them as private clients. And those are usually the ones that are really close to that million-dollar revenue mark mm-hmm. in their business, mm-hmm. but they just can't get over that million-dollar hump. So they're making 500000 or up. They're high six-figures. And they're saying, that seven figures is so close, I can taste it. And then they work with me and they move into seven figures and they multiple seven figures firms. And so that's one way that I work with clients. But a couple of years ago, post-pandemic or shortly after the pandemic started, I started a group coaching program for women law firm owners because there are a lot of solo women law firm owners who maybe have made their first six figures. And then they realize 100000 is not much for me to make into my business Mm because I don't get to take all that home. So I really need to start setting my sights higher. And so they are scaling that six-figure ladder. Mm. That is a program called the Wealthy Woman Lawyer League. And in that program, I teach them the foundational business principles on how to scale a law firm business. So we cover attracting better clients, Leveraging your resources. And by that, I mean learning how to leverage your time, your team, and your systems, which you may be cultivating and growing, right? And then also mastering your money. And that's really delving into what those key performance indicators are and how to really understand the finances of a a growing, scaling business. So it's really about helping solos transform into CEOs of businesses that are separate from them. So they are stewards of those businesses, but they are not one. It's not me and my baby. My business is my baby. Your business is your wealth-generating engine. And so that is what we work on doing in the Wealthy Woman Lawyer League. So those are two ways to work with me. You can find me at www.wealthywomanlawyer.com. And if you add slash league, you go right to the information on the league. And then I will provide for you the books. I would also say, if you love to listen to podcasts, you might want to add "Wealthy Woman Lawyer" to your rotation. If you are a woman great. law firm owner, because I know podcast listeners love to find good other yeah, good podcasts, right.
0: right? We'll put that link to your show on our show notes, also. Great. Well, thank you, Davina. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. You've been a great guest. I'll have you back on the show in the future. Thank you for the depth that you went into, and uh, thanks so much for your uh, for your time today, Davina.
1: Thanks, Scott. I really appreciate it. I've enjoyed it a lot.
0: Thank you for listening to The Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit RainmakingPodcast.com.